a factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the Straight From The Desk podcast, a podcast where I discuss but three things. Two are topical, while the last can be considered as flexible. So sit back and enjoy. If you like what you hear, click on that donation link, which can be found within the show notes. Any donation will be appreciated. So, let's get started. How are you doing today? First up, unfortunately, there were two mass shootings in California last weekend, which cost the lives of at least 18 people. One shooting took place in a predominantly Asian neighborhood in Monterey during Lunar New Year celebrations. When the story first broke, the identity and most notably the race of the suspect was not released. From my past experiences of these types of events, that's usually a clue that this particular suspect doesn't fit the current political narrative, meaning the perpetrator isn't or wasn't Caucasian. This also means that the story will go dark within days, if not hours. That didn't stop the usual suspects from decrying white supremacy and blaming the entire Caucasian race for the crime before knowing all the facts. Two of these were odious politicians. New York Senator Chuck Chucky Schumer and California Representative Adam Pencilneck Schiff. Hashtag Stop Asian Hate trended as non-politicians joined the chorus. After it was announced that the suspect was Asian, there was silence on the feeds of Twitter regarding the subject. Never to return as the newsworthiness, or should I say the usefulness, of the story fades. The same with the second mass shooting in Half Moon Bay, California. The victims were farm workers and the perpetrator was again Asian. In these times we live in, which seem to be ruled by emotions versus facts, you would figure it would behoove people to just wait for those facts to come in before condemning whole races of people for something they weren't responsible for. But why bother waiting for something as trivial as facts? Just make your narrative-driven political statement anyway. There's no consequences for being wrong no matter how many times. No one is held accountable for inaccurate statements that couldn't cite violence, especially if one is of a certain political affliction. Someday, the piper must be paid, and it won't turn out like these emotional leftist keyboard warriors think it will. Anyway, the narrative has shifted back to gun control. Never let a good crisis go to waste applies here. Next, it seems our old friends from the BLM riots, communist Antifa, are making a comeback with a riot in the city of Atlanta and a protest in Boston over the weekend. The Antifa Atlanta riots were in response to the shooting death of one Manuel Esteban Pais Turan during a Georgia State Police clearing of a so-called occupation zone on the site of a future law enforcement training facility. The reason given for the occupation of the land was the environmental impact the future law enforcement training facility would have. Of course, this isn't the real reason. That's because Antifa is a leftist communist organization whose goal is the overthrow of the United States government. Most of the occupiers and protesters were not from the state of Georgia. Heck, the deceased Mr. Tehran doesn't appear to be even from the United States. I'd like to know what his status was here in this country. I'd wager Mr. Tehran was illegally living in this country and therefore not legally possessing the weapon he used to critically injure a Georgia state trooper before being killed himself. I cannot verify this, but I managed to find an article in The Guardian which referenced Mr. Tehran calling his mother, who resides in the country of Panama, daily. 
The Antifa Boston anti-police protests resulted in the son of a Democratic House member, Catherine Clark, being arrested for assaulting a police officer after the officer attempted to stop him from spray-painting slogans such as ACAB and No Cop City on buildings around the Boston Commons. I'll also note that this man is pretending to be a woman. I guess this communist organization has received some fresh funding and is warming up for the summer. And yet the Federal Bureau of Instigation, better known as the FBI, claims white supremacists are the biggest threat to our country. And isn't it a coincidence that Antifa starts making a comeback just as the Republican Party takes over the House of Representatives? I guess we can expect the same resist tactics that were used against the Trump administration every time Republicans win the White House or a majority in Congress. Finally, my personal radio days. I grew up listening to radio like most people my age. Starting with an old early 1960s hand-me-down set I had near my bedside. In bed for the evening, I would listen to New York Knicks and Rangers games called by the legendary Marv Albert, whose son currently calls games on television also. If no games were available, I'd listen to a show called Sports Roundtable, hosted by a guy who I think had the last name of Spectre, which I thought was cool. When I got a little older, music became more important to me. I recall listening to something called Rock Pile, which played rock music overnight with no GJ. Uh, they were ahead of their time. FM radio with mellow-sounding DJs became popular, but some stations featured shows about the paranormal, which I found fascinating. As a young adult, a comedian named Robert Klein had an edgy variety show on FM radio aptly called the Robert Klein Variety Radio Hour. I wish this radio format would return. When I got a little older, I listened to Larry King overnight until old Larry drifted way left with his politics and became a cranky, angry man. During the day, Rush Limbaugh seemed like a breath of fresh air until he too kind of aged out and drifted off to the right. Art Bell eschewed politics and hit big with his overnight coast-to-coast -coast show and concentrated on the weird and scary. I was a big fan of it. I worked on the overnight shift for some 20 years and Art's show was a big part of it. I didn't care for George Norrie when he took over from Art, so I stopped listening to Coast to Coast. I was excited when Art Bell announced an internet radio show called Midnight in the Desert and was able to listen to it via the TuneIn radio app. Art turned the show over to different hosts and I lost interest. Of course, Mr. Bell has since died and the Midnight in the Desert show went dark in 2020. For me, that was an end of an era. That same year, I came off of the overnight shift and haven't listened to any radio talk shows since. Currently, my audio is consumed mainly by podcast. I kind of miss listening to radio while I wake to fall asleep at night. Podcasts are great, but there's just something about a live person on a mic in some studio talking the night away. You know, I might just dust off an old radio I have laying around one of these days and see if anything is going on overnight on the radio waves. Well, that will do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, do me a favor and hit that donate link in the show notes. You can send comments, suggestions, or complaints to sftdpod23 at gmail.com. Take care, and I'll see you soon.
Thank you.